We're looking at an amazing text. We're looking at an amazing book, actually. Two massive books is where we're going, First and Second Corinthians. And what we're looking at is that do all for the glory of God. You see it there in verse 31. But you're looking at a text and, and, a, and an issue that began all the way back in chapter 8 when he answered their questions. They were having, were having some struggles in the city of Corinth. And he's basically dealing with Christian freedom. Okay, now I want, I want us to be very guarded with this. Because I watch a lot of people who will try to take um, this text or pieces of this text. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Okay? There are a lot of things in the scripture that it's, he says, God says, are not lawful. So he's not contradicting himself. He's not saying, oh, by the way, under the new covenant as a Christian, you now may steal. You now may covet. You may now commit adultery because it is now lawful. That is not what the Apostle Paul is dealing with. But I've watched people do this. I watched people do this. Here's another one that I heard. It said, I'm having premarital sex. But it's okay because it says that for the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. And if I have gratitude, then I'm allowed to have this. So we pray before and we pray after. Because all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Okay? Now, we, we sit and we think, well, how goofy is that? And I'm telling you, you all, every single one of you are all eyeball deep in it. Every single one of you. You've got to get a hold of this. We have freedom. I have a freedom in Christ that is supernatural. And I have a freedom to do things in the area that the Bible doesn't talk about. All right? I have the ability to make that decision based on truth that I have and living my life to Christ. Here's one of the things I want you to grab about the, the Corinthian letter. You know what's amazing about the Corinthian letter? We look at this text and we say, these people are goofy. I mean, you look at the first seven chapters and you find out that there's division in the church. There's bickering in the church. There's sexual immorality in the church. You find out that, the, that Christians are literally suing one another in the church. And you say, this is church. What is the matter with this people? But he starts it out, says to the church in Corinth. So this isn't a group of people who think they're church. You know what's amazing about the Corinthian letter? They don't have a doctrinal issue. They're not understanding the omnipotence of God. They don't misunderstand that. They don't misunderstand God is everywhere all at once. They don't misunderstand the way of salvation is narrow. They don't under, misunderstand the second coming of Christ. Go through this book and you will not find a doctrinal problem. You find it in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, Timothy is pastoring a church in Ephesus. Read the book of Revelation and it is this wondrous church that is doctrinally strong. But they have doctrinal issues. Corinth doesn't. 
Corinth does not have a doctrinal issue. You know what's amazing about this letter? Castle Rock Baptist Church does not have a doctrinal problem. Did you know that? Those of you who have been with us, and we've been together for a long time, some of you have been here from the time that I opened up 1 Peter a long time ago. We don't have a problem with spotting false teaching. We don't have a problem with the deity of Christ. We don't have a problem with understanding salvation. We don't have an issue with those problems. But you know what the issue in the church in Corinth is? It was the influence of the world in the church. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus says, I want you to keep them there. They are not of the world. But they are in the world. The church in America today, the Castle Rock Baptist Church, our responsibility is to influence the world. I've got to ask you a question. This church in Corinth was struggling Not with the doctrine of who God is. They were struggling with the influence of the church individually and collectively. Or individually and collectively, they were struggling with the world's influence on the church. Please grab that. It will really help you in the interpretation of the letters to the Corinthians. The issue isn't theology. The issue is personal holiness. Ask yourself a question. Do you struggle with the world? What, what do well, struggle with the world? What does that mean? Well, I'd take them out and whoop them. No. What you are bombarded with every day is, is doctrine of your society. Okay, let me make it a little clearer. People hate that word, doctrine. That's an awful thing. Okay. How about the teachings of the world? How many of you are influenced by the teachings of the world? When does the world quit trying to influence you? Now ask yourself a question. Are some of the things that you're seeing in Christendom, whose influence are they? The influence of the living God or the influence of the world. I mean, I can look across America um, all over the place. All over the place. And ask myself, under whose influence am I? Whose influence am I? That was what was heard in the church in Corinth. So I have to ask you a question. Are you struggling with laying, here's what the world is saying, here's what God is saying. You know what's amazing about that? Anybody here struggle with your job and how much time your job takes? Whose influence are you under? When you're dealing in your job, whose influence are you under? Just a question. Why is my job so important on my list of priorities? In America today, Job is more important than family. Because we all know, common sense tells you, if my job isn't working, I can't take care of my family. Ask yourself today, the average American family 
would you say it's a healthy looking critter? Is this institution just wondrous and joyous and everybody's happy about it? Why not? I'm providing for them. They have a house. We have three-car garages now. It used to be two-car garages. Now it's one-car garage. I remember when it was one-car garage. I remember when everybody wanted their kitchens carpeted. Now the reverse is we want them tiled or something. And I said, I grew up with that. What's the matter with you people? Okay, we wanted a one-car garage, and we would ride. We got a two-car garage, and now I want a three-car garage. But now I need a three-car garage and a place to park my motorhome. Okay. Did you know that Douglas County has the highest per capita income anywhere in the nation? Do you know that Douglas County has the highest domestic violence and drug abuse in Colorado? Why? We've got it all. So ask yourself a question. I mean, let's be realistic about this. Castle Rock, Colorado is the county seat of Douglas County. We have in Castle Rock 47 evangelical churches. 47 evangelical churches. We are just side of holy ground. Right? Is that true? I was in England a few months ago. Was it a few months ago? Maybe a month ago. I don't know. It wasn't too long ago. I remember it vaguely. And one of the things is I had a privilege of preaching two churches. Okay, one in London proper, one in, in Essex, which is down by the uh, channel, the English channel. And you know what I heard from them? Nobody's getting saved. The only people coming to salvation in the church in England... And I'm not talking about the Anglicans. I'm not talking about the Church of England. I'm talking about Bible-believing, God-fearing people. The only ones that are getting saved are the generations of Christian kids. Those are the only ones that are coming to salvation. You know what's happening in America today? Same thing. You know what's amazing about England? They want to be like France. France is suing Jacques Chirac... The French government is suing Jacques Chirac because when the Pope died, he commanded that all French flags fly at half staff. And they are suing because their constitution says we are a secular nation. We identify with no religion. And they brought litigation against him because he went to the Pope's funeral. And he was a representative of the country. England wants to follow that. Who are we following? Look at the church today. The largest church in America today. Okay, largest church in America today. When you go to the church. Now, I know where this is. I've been there. Okay, you go to the church. Huge church. Huge church. All right. They have tents outside. All these little tents. I mean, it looks like a. I don't know, it looks like nomads. <laughs> That's what it looks like. But in each tent. Depending on the style of music you want is the tent that you will go to. They've got contemporary music. They've got just flat out rock and roll. They've got, you know what I like? They've got Jamaican. I'm into Jamaican. I'm not sure how Amazing Grace sounds on a steel drum. But, but whatever you want is in there. And then every one of them has a huge plasma TV. And the guy preaching in the main church 
is piped into each of those tents so that whatever your flare of worship is, you can be there and worship. Really? Let me ask you a question. Whose influence is that? Is that the influence of God? Or is that the influence of the world? And he'll tell you. We baptized 10,000 people last year. What'd, how'd you do? Okay, you know what my response is? How many of them are walking with the king? There's 10,000. Because you say you've been baptizing close to eight years, 10,000 a year. You're in southern Los Angeles, so why are we concerned about L.A. getting saved? See what I'm saying? Who's doing what here? Now listen, if I mentioned this guy's name and the books that he's published, you'd know who I'm talking about. But that's not what my issue is. My issue is we are no different than Corinth is. Corinth was struggling. And Paul says, I want to deal with your wisdom of your freedom. The wisdom of your freedom. And I'm just going to review. Verse 23, he says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. So what, as a Christian, in my freedom, am I going to build up? Am I going to edify? Please make a note. This is not neutral. I'm either positive in strengthening somebody... Or I'm not. You're spinning your wheels. How many are spinning their wheels in the body of Christ today? Okay, he's already said this in chapter 6, verse 12. But the first thing in this wisdom is edification over gratification. I want to strengthen people. How do I strengthen people? I'm just going to go through these quickly. First, foremost, the word. You must be in the word. You know, I think about Christians, how many, the only time they're in the Word is when they come for the hour on Sunday morning. Let me ask you a question. How would you do if you ate one meal a week? How would you do? Because, see, my Bible says man does not live by bread alone, but how? Every word that comes from God. Is that true? Then why do we want to fast? The body of Christ today in America, the body of Christ in Castle Rock today is anorexic at best. She doesn't eat. Not only that, the congregation says, I don't want to eat. I want some spiritual Twinkies. That's what I want. Why? Because I just don't have time. You know what? I am so thankful that Jesus Christ didn't say that when he was getting ready to leave heaven to come down here to be born as a child. That he didn't look at the father and say, you know what? Second thought, I don't really have time. You know what bothers me about that mentality? You are hoping to spend eternity with him. And yet right now you don't have time for him. It's the word. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Paul, getting ready to leave the Ephesian elder, says, I commend you to the word who will build you up, edify, strengthen you. I commend you to that. Why? That's where your strength's going to come from. That's where your discernment's going to come from. 
That's it. You, you have to, as a child of God, build a grid. Okay? It's sort of like your own little firewall. A scripture. And then everything that comes in is going through the filter of scripture. That don't sound right. If it don't sound right, guess what? The Holy Spirit's saying, don't listen. Go look at Christian bookstores. And ask yourself, of the books that are in there, how many are truly of God? And then ask yourself a simple question. Are you smart enough to know? Do you have a strong enough biblical foundation that when you read something, you can say, you know what? That's not biblical. That's not biblical. There's a book out that's called, uh, that it's coming out of the, the true holy city of Colorado Springs. Um, Jerusalem has been bypassed, and it is Shekinah in Colorado Springs. Everything in there is a ministry. A book uh, of a, an author down there, and I'm going to name his name. Um, his name is Eldridge. And he's wrote a whole series of books. The one that I read was Wild at Heart. I didn't have to read it very far because his thesis was very quickly exposed. God is wild at heart. Why? Because the animals are wild. What? I mean, you know, I may have been born on a turnip truck. And I might have been born on a turnip truck at night, but that's silly. Okay? The animals are wild because they had that time in that big wooden boat with Noah and his family. Okay, and it says that after that, God put fear in the animals for man. All right, it wasn't originally that way. Animals aren't wild. And that God is this reactive person who's every once in a while just, it's compulsive. Really? I've read Daniel. It didn't look compulsive to me. I've read Revelations. That looks very well thought out, actually. So I didn't have to read that book very far. But yet he is promoted and touted as one of the great authors in the evangelical circles today. Where's the discernment? Where's the discernment? Well, part of it is we're not in the Word. Which takes me to the second part. Second part is 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Instead of speaking in tongues, he says, I'd rather hear a word of prophecy. You know what that is today? It's not left behind series. It is preaching. It is preaching. Please let me be specific about this. It is not dialoguing. God who flung the stars into the heavens... God who says, I will present to you, my son, a precious gift of bride. And the son who says, I will present that bride holy and pure in us and give it back to you as my gift to my love for you, Father. Before anything was spoken to existence, does not dialogue. He's not here to converse with you. Please, but he loves me. He does. But holy men of God, when they were exposed to his glory, what was their response? Uh-oh. That's kind of a nice way. They freaked out. Why? Because God's not into talking thing. 
He's not in to hear, what do you think? Yes, He loves you. The cross says He loves you. But He preaches. When God had one Son, and He came to do what? Dialogue? No, He preached the wondrous day of the Lord. Redemption. His forerunner came from the desert doing what? Preaching and exhorting. And they cut his head off. Alright? But we want to hear what? I don't want preaching. Why? If it sounds like he's mad. You know what? Look at the church. He is. He is. So it's preaching. Instead of speaking in tongues, we should preach. But now I have the word. I need to expose myself to preaching and teaching. Why? Because that's the way he planned it. But also there is love. 8.1 says knowledge puffs up, but love what? Edifies. It strengthens. Love edifies. But here's the problem that happens. Too many of us want to go out and love. Okay? Let me tell you something. You go out and love and you don't have... The scripture background and understanding and under good preaching, that's horrifying. That's awful. That's awful. It's no worse than having somebody who has a lot of knowledge and doesn't have love. They're abrasive. They tend to just make everybody mad. You have other people who are running out loving. Well, doctrine is not the issue. Be real careful. Fourthly, it's obedience. It's obedience. I use the word of obedience because basically if I'm going to be in the ministry, if I'm going to be in service, I'm going to be obedient. When the saints, God says, I will supernaturally empower men, give them supernatural gifts. And these supernatural gifts, they will be given to where? Parachurch organizations. No, that's not what he says. They'll be given to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or ministry. How many of us today say, I'm being called to the ministry? Are you in a church? No. Are you in the Word? No. So you're not loving. Sorry. But why are you wanting to do this ministry? Because I want to. That's good. Knock yourself out. Because I ain't convinced that God wants you to. When Paul decided him and Barnabas were going to go into the ministry and we're going to travel around and be missionaries, how did they conclude that? They were sent out from a church, but what happened before that? The whole church was in agreement. Yeah, I think that's right. What do we do today? Well, I've always wanted to travel to Australia, so I think I should go there in the ministry. Okay, musicians. I had time to spend with Steve Camp. Some of you may know him, uh, and and talk to him. And he says, "I don't have any idea what has happened to Christian music." He said, "We still call it a ministry, but it isn't that." So the only reason we call it a ministry is because we want tax exempt status. That's horrifying. Listen, I ain't got nothing against music. When you sing like I do, um, I love music. Okay, I love to play it loud so nobody can hear me. Sorry. I love music. I think it's wonderful. But the truth of the matter is this. Is it the word of God? 
Why aren't these people under preaching and teaching? Where's the love and the obedience doesn't seem to be there? Why? If I'm going to exercise my freedom, then my freedom needs to be strengthening others. That would be edification over gratification. Second thing we looked at, wisdom of our freedom um, is others over self. Verse 24, let no one seek his own good. But of his neighbor. Some of your translations will say wealth. That's a bad translation. Nothing personal, but the context hasn't changed. He's talking about using your freedom for the strengthening of the saints. He's not talking about making money. Or giving money away. In some cases that happens. We seek to have one another strengthened. Why? That's that principle of love. Alright? Love builds up. Doing what is beneficial both for us. I mean, I strengthen because of my love. Why? Because if I strengthen you, guess what you end up doing to me? It's crazy, isn't it? You end up strengthening me. How bizarre is that? Well, that's why God said I'm going to do it. I have to make a choice. I have this decision that's in front of me. This thing that I haven't... And it isn't against the word of God. It doesn't really seem to do anything. Is it going to be beneficial to another? Will another person get something out of that? He started it out with eating meat. Meat offered to idols. And he said, you know what? If I'm going to cause somebody to stumble because of that meat, Paul's response was what? I'll never eat meat again. It's, this is difficult for you and I today. You know why? Think about this. Sacrificial love. You know, I've heard people say this. Listen, I get frustrated with these kind of texts because I battle them on a consistent basis. All right. How many of you have heard this? You need to have your own personal boundaries. Because when I'm ministering, you, you can end up getting burned out. Uh, or something to this effect. And not only that, you need to have your boundary here for this relationship. You need to put a boundary here for this relationship and, and all the rest. Anybody heard that? Let me ask you a question. What was the boundary of Christ's love? What was its limit? Then what do you do with chapter 11, verse 1? says here, be imitators of me, just as I am also of Christ. Have you ever wandered into church today and dealt with people that they just don't seem saved or they just struggle a lot? Ever seen that? Are you seen people that they walk with Jesus, they're on fire and they just <laughs> and then they crash and burn? Okay. And what's your first response? I wonder if they're really saved. You know what is amazing about the New Testament writers? They never really struggled with that. They didn't. Let me ask you a question. If you'd have known Paul before his little Damascus Road problem, would you have had any doubt in your mind that he was saved? Very, very religious. He knew the Bible. He hung out with Bible people. He hung out in the synagogue all the time. But now look at him. 
What was the boundary of Paul's love? Well, let me put it to you this way. You go to a town, you share the gospel of Christ, they stone you and leave you for dead. What's the boundary of your love? God, we need fire and brimstone. Quickly. Right? What was the boundary of his love? He went back in and preached. You know why? There was a young man in there that, Paul, that God said, that man will follow you. He will be your clone. His name is Timothy. So get up off of that pile of manure. I know you're bleeding. I know you have a headache. But go back in there and show him my love. So what's the boundaries? What's the boundaries? What is the boundary of my sacrifice to others? Just a question. And all I'm telling you is, is that the church in Corinth is dealing with the same issues that everyone in this church is dealing with. And you've got to ask yourself a question. What's my boundaries? Well, I have to have boundaries. I have to have my personal time. Really? And I tell you what. I've been looking for 15 years for where I get my personal time, and I just ain't found it. I do squeeze in some time. My bride and my were managed to sit at the ocean, and uh, we sat there for a while. Why? One of the things nice about the ocean, you really don't have to think. You can just sit there, and it does its thing. You don't have to make it keep splashing or nothing. Right? And you see seagulls. Every time I see a seagull, I think of that stupid movie Nemo now. Mine, 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 mine. I see seagulls all over the place. I see this bird. Mine, mine, mine. And I sit there and thought, I've been corrupted by Disney. All right? But do you see what I'm getting at? We've got to grab a hold of this. Why? 2 Corinthians is ministry. The reason that Christians don't minister is that they haven't settled the issue of 1 Corinthians. I haven't done what 1 Corinthians called me to. I, my boundaries. Here's my boundaries. I no longer live. It is but Christ that lives in me. Myself I have crucified. That's my boundaries. We live in a world that promotes selfishness. That's your issue. Why do you work? Why do you work overtime? Why is that so? Why am I so worried about Social Security? Why am I so worried about my 401k? United's pension is collapsing, and that means they're just going to take everybody's. You know, I find one group of people in Hall of Scripture who have a retirement plan. One. I don't even find a two day weekend. I don't find paid vacations. I don't even find in there where you've got to worry about your hospitalization or your medical Medicaid or whether you've got prescription benefits. And how much time do you give to those issues? Christ said, you seek my kingdom, you seek right standing with me, and what would happen? All things will be taken care of. All things will be added unto you. Let me ask you a question. You believe that?
that? Just a question. You believe that? It's hard to relate to this. And I believe that the disaster that exists in the body of Christ, in the bride of Christ today, is that single issue. When you can sit there and tell me I'm going to congregate in separate little tents so I can hear the style of music I want, who are we feeding there? Who's being fed there? Okay? Who is in control of the church? My Bible says Jesus Christ is. Okay, so you have edification over gratifications, others over self. Here's my balance. This is where the tension begins. Are you ready? I call it liberty over legalism. Liberty over legalism. There's always somebody against everything. If you look long enough, you're going to find somebody who don't want you to do anything. Okay? And you know what? This tension can grow. And you know where you end up? Straight jacket. Okay? How do you find the balance? First and foremost, I'll tell you, don't run around asking everybody what they think. Okay? Do you think this is right or do you think this is wrong? Go to the Scriptures. What does the Scripture say? Okay? I, I, listen... How many of you would really get up and say, could you please give me a list of the things that offend you? Okay. All right. What's amazing is God gave only 10 commandments. <laughs> and then he said, you know what? I, you guys are so sheep-like. Hey, did I do that right or good or what? You are so sheep-like, I'm going to narrow it down to two. Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And... Neighbor as yourself. Why? Because you act too much like a sheep. So I don't want you to get complicated. And I can even get better than that. Do the first one. You won't ever have to worry about the second one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And guess what? Everything else is taken care of. Alright? So we just got it simplistic. Look at verse 25. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience sake. <laughs> I would like to eat this piece of meat. Can you tell me where it came from? What if you found out that you were getting ready to get a rancher's reserve, nice, oh, rib roast. I mean, just perfect. The marble is in there and all the rest of it. And you found out it came from a Jehovah's Witnesses farm. What would you do? <laughs> but do you, do you see listen now let me get it to you a little goofier what if you find out that the people who carry your phone service have a homosexual agenda in their, their company and that homosexual agenda says we will give rights to them people we will give them medical rights not only that we're going to de delineate them as a minor minority status and they get privilege over everything else what are you going to do What are you going to do? And you guys think that's crazy. Listen, I got in trouble one time because I was going out to see my precious daughter when she was in school and somebody found out I drove through Las Vegas. 
you know what? Don't tell them. I stopped and had prime rib and lobster, too, for four bucks. But don't tell them I stopped. You know what? If that was a tale, I'd think it was funny. But I know four families that left that church, because, left this church because of that very reason. Okay, I'm not in this world. I'm not of this world. I'm just stuck here. Do you get that kind of stuff? Watch out. Watch out. He quotes uh, Psalm 24, 1, verse Verse 26, for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. <laughs> okay, now I've watched people take that thing and go crazy with it. Okay, God made it. And he's saying, see, in the temples, when you go to get fresh meat in the city of Corinth, most of the meat came from the temple offerings. Okay, and, and even in some cases, the priest of uh, Artemis and whatever, he would make a little pocket cash instead of eating his portion of lamb or eating his portion of beef. He'd take it down to the butcher and they would say, you know, that guy over there in the priest of Artemis, he gives really good beef, so I'm going to buy my meat from there. So most of the meat you bought in the time of the Corinthian church came from a temple. All right? And he's saying, God made these things, and if it isn't an issue, don't make it. An issue. Why? For conscience sake. It's a chunk of meat. Are you hungry? Go get you some. Okay? Question. Does the Bible say you can't smoke? It's a sin to smoke. No. No. But if I had a person who was dying of cancer, I wouldn't light up a good cigar around them. I wouldn't light up a bad cigar around them. Maybe. No, no, just kidding. No, we're going back to the love thing. Do you get what I'm getting at? It is all over the place. I find myself at times when it's time to buy a new car, being careful about what I buy. Why? There are people who will stumble over that. There are people who will stumble over that. Look, this isn't a new issue. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter uh, 23, verse 24, Jesus says this, You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Okay, that's the seven woes, the seven curses upon the Pharisees is where that text is. Keep your context. Let me tell you something. When Jesus says, woe to you or cursed is you, do you understand what he just said? Grace is gone. You have been judged. Okay? Do you know how many Pharisees there are on the planet today? Zero of that sect. But there's a whole lot of people who will strain out a gnat so they can swallow a camel. Okay? Paul has condemned going to the idol feast, going to the temples and celebrating at the table of demons, he called it. Okay? He says, you don't need to be communing and fellowshipping with demons. But he says, but when you're going to go to the grocery store, you're not communing with them. You're just trying to eat. He says, buy it 
and eat it and don't worry about it. There's no sense in putting burdens on your conscience. Um, Don't ask needless questions. Why? It is all of the Lord's. Everything is the Lord's. Receive it with thanksgiving. Uh, Chapter chapter 4, 1 Timothy verses 4 and 5. For everything created by God is good. It's good. Okay? That doesn't really leave out a lot, does it? And he says, nothing is to be rejected and it is to be received with gratitude. Okay, receive it with thanksgiving for it is. Here's where it goes. It is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Be thankful and by the word of God. What did I tell you about edification over gratification? How are you going to get edified through the word? All right. And you will be in communion with God. Literal communion is prayer. Please get a hold of that. Why? I can take the most depraved thing and through the word of God and prayer with thanksgiving, guess what? I can eat it. I can eat it. I'm in the world. What if my long distance carrier has a homosexual agenda? Well, we're going to give it up? Really? Have you watched television lately? Anybody here not have a TV? Kids, you're not allowed to answer. And not only that, a lot of us have TVs in every room. Let me ask you a question. How much of that is God exalting? I remember when, uh, remember I Dream of Jeannie? Anybody remember I Dream of Jeannie? They weren't allowed to show her belly button. Kind of changed, hasn't it? I'm not talking about cable. Verse 27. <clears throat> if one of the unbelievers invites you, do you hear what he just said? If an unbeliever invites you and you want to go eat anything that is set before you without asking questions for conscience sake. I know saints of God right now, today, who will not go to an unbeliever's home and eat. And I know some unbelievers that can fix a mean barbecue. And they do the pig roast thing. Whoa. All right? They do. And it's good. And you know what? I don't ask questions. Did that come from a Mormon farm? You didn't offer that up to the God of Harley Davidson, did you? What happens if you got family? I got family over. Is everybody's family all saved? Mine isn't. What happens if they all decide to eat? I can't eat with you. Why? I think you're ungodly. Whatever set before you eat, don't ask questions for conscience sake. Listen, it gets, you think it's silly. You didn't soak those brats in beer, did you? <laughs> Why do you think they call them beer brats? <laughs> I believe that person cooked in wine. Oh my God. 
Don't ask. I mean, if it's going to bother you, don't ask. Enjoy it and give thanks. A heart of gratitude. I see this so much and it drives me nuts. You couldn't tell that, could you? All right. It says here, it's a Greek term. It's legal. And it says, don't make for conscience sake. It says, don't make an investigation of it. Gee, many crickets. If I went and investigated everything that I'm involved with on a daily basis, what would I end up getting done? Nothing. Why? Because you're investigating everything. Jesus walked among the sinners. He walked among here. You don't have to make... Listen, you have freedom in Christ. Have some fun, people. Gee, many crickets. I, I don't understand it. I bought... This is going to get me in trouble. All right. I'll confess. Okay. I, I, I use a, uh, a credit card at a sporting goods great company that uh, every time I spend a dollar, it gives me a dollar. And so whenever I travel, I get this dollar through. And I found a deal on a bunch of ammunition. That would be bullets to some of you. Uh, and um, I decided I like handguns and rifles. I grew up with that. I just went out and bought me a whole bunch of ammunition. I had somebody ask me the type that I bought, and I told them that it was wolf ammunition. It was very cheap. I bought it by the cases. <laughs> and you know what the guy's response was? The lady's response? That's made in Russia. And? <laughs> the problem? Well, you don't understand. That's an atheist government. Have you seen ours? <laughs> and I've seen some people got upset about it. And I've got people got upset about it and said, you know, what are you doing with guns? Fixing to shoot you. <laughs> no, uh, no, just kidding, just kidding. All right. But do you see what I'm getting at? What did we just do? All right, I got ammunition. All right, is that, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. No, you have Russian ammunition. Cases. <laughs> yeah, cases. So, I'm not going to tell the time before I was saved when I was buying grenades. But anyway, uh, they were American. <laughs> okay, but do you understand this stuff? All right, let me give you an issue, uh, a footnote on this because I, I want you to think about it because this is crucial to, to understanding this. I, yes, I have liberty. I have liberty. Okay? But there are those who will force you into legalism. Okay? Um, don't ask any stupid questions about where the food comes from. Or did you cook it in beer? Or is it this or is it that? Or are you saved? Or should I be eating with you? All right? Don't do anything that will cause your conscience to question. All right, there's nothing wrong with going to dinner. You know what? Even with lost people. You know what? I, this is going to stun a lot of you. But most of the time when you go out to dinner, the cooks, the waiters, and the waitresses are not saved. Sorry. I, I don't... I don't know how to tell you. 
but you know, at what point do we all say, let's go be monks? Because that's, I see people who want that. And you know what? Go ahead. You can have that. I don't want, to, I'm not into that. I want to give you a text here that I want to bring back to your remembrance. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Is that right? Yeah, chapter 3. <clears throat> Paul's concluding his letter to the church in Thessalonica. Verse 6 says, We command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to traditions you received from us. For you yourself know how we ought to, <clears throat> you ought to follow our examples. Because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you. Nor do, did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. Alright? Look at verses 14. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter. Did you hear what he just said? If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter. Take special note of that person and do not associate with him. So that he may be put to shame. Do not regard him as an enemy. But admonish him as a brother. Okay, well, who's he talking about there? Believers. He's dealing with believers. If a believer is unruly, if a believer is undisciplined, if a believer in the context is a person who doesn't want to work a job, he's lazy in his job. He says, do what? Don't associate with him. To the point he says, don't even eat with him. That's what he said in chapter 2. I don't want you to eat with him. Okay? In 1 Corinthians, back... We dealt with this earlier. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. He says this. I wrote you this letter in my letter not to associate with immoral people. Watch what he says. Verse 10. I did not mean with immoral people of this world or with the covetous or, and swindlers and all the idolaters for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually I wrote you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is immoral Covetous, idolater, reveler, drunkler, swindler. Don't even eat with such a one. Do you see what he just said? You can go hang out with the lost people. Why? Natural men don't understand the things of God. Save people who live like lost people. What are you supposed to do? Stay away from them. Don't even eat with them. Why? So they'll be put to shame. Don't fellowship with them. Okay? Galatians chapter 5, he says, For freedom Christ has made us free. Do we understand that? We have been freed. One of the freedoms that you and I have received is I am free from the power of sin. Do you know what that also means? I have not been removed from sin. I am free from its power. Which one would that be? All of them. Am I free from the power of sin? Which one? That's why I don't understand why you can have a recovering alcoholic who's a Christian. How do you have a recovering alcoholic who's a Christian? Is he freed from the power? It's a disease. Sin's the disease. Sin's the disease. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe? That's the question. I see that all over the place. I go back to my life, my past life, and I'm, I was addicted to anything that existed on the planet Earth for a, a time anyway. Some of it I'm more addicted to. You know why? My flesh ruled my life. Every aspect of my life. And whatever my flesh said, this is going to be good. My flesh, I, oh, hey, let's follow the flesh. Right? 
I became a child of God. Guess what? God says, your flesh is nothing, God did, did nothing but get you in trouble. I said, amen. He says, now what are you going to follow? I'm going to follow you. Why? What are my options? I can follow Christ or I can follow my flesh. That's the only two options. There's the way of righteousness and there's the way of wickedness. There's, only, there's no neutral. I'm just going to sit here and think about it. No, you just did. Please get a hold of that. Okay. You have been free. Stand fast in your freedom, Paul warns the Galatians. Stand there. Don't let anybody take your liberty. In Galatians chapter 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 4, he says, They will sneak in and they will spy out your liberty. And he says, don't let them. You seen that? I've not only seen that, I've had to endure it. They sneak in and spy out my liberty. And they say, how can you do that? It's easy. Why? God doesn't say I can't. Okay, enjoy your freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Enjoy Christ's freedom. It's not legalistic. Here's the key. When you hear about the word of God, when I tell you you need to be in the word of God, when I tell you that you that you need to be in preaching and teaching, when I tell you you need to love, not in a puffed up way, but you need to love edify and that you need to be obedient to it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you hear that as that you should, you ought to? That's legalism. That's legalism. You know why I'm in the word? I want to. You know why I love to hear preaching? I want to. You know why I want to love without boundaries? Because I want to. You know why I want to be obedient and be poured out as a drink offering? And just, you know, people say, well, you're going to burn out. I hope so. I hope I just all of a sudden one day I'm preaching and poof, he disappears. He burn out, spontaneous combustion, never just anything like it. Why? Because I want to. I want to. Think about what you do in your jobs. How much energy you put in your jobs over time? The boss wants me to do this and this and this and this. I got to have this much here. Got to get this thing here. I'm going to do that. I got to be a part of this. Do this and all the rest of it. Why can't you do that for Jesus? I had a brother of mine. Um, we came to salvation roughly about the same time. He was into stolen goods and prostitution. I was into dealing and partying and pills and fun. Okay, and so we were buddies. We both came to salvation around the same time. And uh, <clears throat> I remember one time I was struggling. I was mad at the church. I was mad at Christians uh, and said that this is all a bunch of, and I'm tired of it. He asked me a question. He says, Terry, when we were partying together, how much energy did you put in that? I just smiled at him. Okay. When I'm out having a good time, when I was out feeding my flesh, how much energy did I put in that? I said, man, I tell you what, there was weeks I was willing to give up sleep. Says, how much energy are you willing to put into Jesus Christ? And anytime I get in them bad days, you've ever had bad days? Spiritual bad days? Okay. If you read the Bible and it feels like you're just reading War and Peace in Hebrew. Okay. You ever read your Bible and said, pff, pff, this is dry. There ain't nothing going on in this book. You ever read that? You know why? Because you know you need to, but you're not wanting to. You know why you don't serve in the church? Because you know you ought to, but you don't 
want to. Okay? You know what that is? It's a Pharisee. Do you know that? I've been accused of that. I've been accused of a lot of things. I've been accused of the Antichrist, false teacher, uh, legalist, a Pharisee. You know, I've, I've got them all covered. Um, don't restrict your li- liberty. My liberty says. See, that is the tension that exists. Okay? It's here. I can't continue in something that only continues to lower others. I can't have somebody say, well, you can't do that. Why? Okay, because when a person accuses me of something, you know what I do? I snuggle up to them. Not that way. I get close to them. Why? I want to walk with you. Why? You're a legalist. And you are driving me nuts. No. That's not how that's not. No. Why? I don't want you to stay there. I've seen people who come out of Bible college and seminary with degrees and are just awful. They probably got more Bible knowledge than I'll ever have, and yet they're living this, I have to have my morning devotions, my one, you know, one chapter in the Psalms and one in the Proverbs, and I have to do this and I have to do that. And I said, and you're killing the rest of us. So I get close to them. And I walk in my freedom so that they will learn to walk in their freedom. You know what happens? Sometimes they become free indeed and become amazingly more abundantly beyond what they could ever dream for the kingdom of God. Sometimes they get mad and call me names. Don't restrict your freedom. You can help them grow up. I run into legalists on a regular basis. I remember when I got saved, I thought my ministry would be among the drug dealers and scooter trash and stuff like that. And that that would be right where I could minister because I can relate. You know where he put me? Legalist. I'd rather have the bikers. Because the legalists, you get in close to them, you start walking with them, and they either just freak out and want to crucify you, or God changes their hearts. See, when you go down to that brother or that sister's level to help that weaker, to make sure that you build them up. Why? How are you going to do that? Preaching, teaching, love, the word, and obedience to what God has done. Because you know what? Your life will be covered with them. Together, you can enjoy your freedom. Take that saint of God and walk with them and watch them. Sometimes they'll bite. But you know what? I'd give anything to start watching the body of Christ live the way Christ meant them to be. I watch some Christians walk around and I'm thinking, oh my God, whatever they got, I pray it ain't contagious. Why? I'm happy for Jesus. <laughs> Have you seen them? I, you know the people I'm talking about. Well, I'm telling you what, repent, dude. I, and I just sit there and go, golly, if Jesus never ever gives me anything but eternal life, hello, <laughs> do I need to go farther? Well, you just don't understand, preacher. Really? Tell you what, if you think I don't, I'll challenge you this day. 
Come walk with me. Come walk with me. It's that simple. Because you know what? They keep telling me, it says, you as the pastor, you live in a fishbowl. Let me tell you something, Christian. You're in a fishbowl. We just sit in there together. You're just not smart enough to understand that they're all looking at you too. <laughs> you don't want the legalist to stay legalist. You shouldn't. I guess if you send them to other churches. But because... <laughs> You can't continually bow to that place. Let me give you an illustration. I had a young lady a few years ago. She was writing a paper for school, public school, and she told me she was against the death penalty. Raised in a church, multiple generations of the church. She says, I'm against the death penalty. She says, and I'd like to ask you, you are a pastor, what do you think about that? And I said, that's silly. And she said, what? She says, thou shalt not kill. I said, I didn't want to say this. I said, because then you're going to say that God sinned because when he went into... <laughs> some cities, he says, I want you to kill their ducks and chickens and pigs and mothers and children. And, and I thought God said, thou shalt not kill. Not only that, he says that the, um, he does not yield the sword in vain, the governments that are placed over you. I said, the problem with our death penalty today is that we wait too long. Okay. Heard that one comedian talked about Texas putting a fast lane in on death row. Express lane. Why? If they've done the crime... Pay the penalty. That's what the Bible says. Okay? Thou shalt not kill, says thou shalt not murder in the Hebrew. Don't take innocent life. Absolutely. What about when God called for war? What about when God whooped that one army with hailstorms? Okay? See what happens? We get caught up in it. We limit our freedom. We limit our our. our, our Liberty, not to offend, but we should do it knowing that we are going to teach this weaker brother. Don't do it because, gee, man, crickets, what a cranky old pharisaical Christian that is. That ain't what you do. If someone comes to you and says, well, you shouldn't be doing that, God just said, can you do me a favor? I would like to empower you with the spirit of me to make that person understand my freedom. Well, God, I'm kind of looking for ministry. What did he just do? He just rolled it up to your doorstep. I want him to grow. Listen, here's a strange thing, and I'm going to wrap this thing up. Here's a strange thing about legalism. And, And I've learned this the hard way. Do you know that it is extremely comfortable to be a legalist? Do you know that it's easy to be a legalist? Do you know that a lot of people take great joy in being legalist? You know why? They don't have to do anything internally. Internally. They have their little walk is in a box. My walk with Jesus is in a box. Okay? It's, it's, it goes back to what I was explaining to you. I read my Bible, and you've heard this illustration. I've used this. I got 66 love letters from God, creator and sustainer of existence. And each of these letters, when I read it, is to Terry. 
He loved me so much, He gave me this. And when I read my Bible, that's the way I read my Bible. When I don't read my Bible that way, I get cranky about it. I'm telling you, God, this is the goofiest stuff I ever heard in my life. What do you mean you can't wool, wool and cotton together? What's up with that? Okay? But do I do these things because I'm supposed to? Or do I do these things because I want to? Okay? Listen, if you're a legalist, you're running around doing these things because you are supposed to. I have my little do's and don'ts. Sometimes they have a big list of do's and don'ts. And I live by these do's and don'ts. But you know what's amazing about it? They're all... External. There's nothing internal. It's a whole lot easier that way. Did you know that? I got the do's and don'ts. I don't look at a woman in lust. I don't look at a man in lust. I don't do this. I don't watch this TV show. I've never seen that show. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't cuss. I don't do any of these things that bring shame. See what? And you just see them all wrinkled up thinking, you're cussing looking at me. All right? But do you, that is so much easier than living by the Holy Spirit and Him inside of you wanting you to yield. That's tough. That is a boy. Hey. Okay? When I see Christians who do not have joy in the fact that you're only going to get to live for eternity... That's it. Do you understand that? How could you ever be upset about anything? I can tell you how. You become a legalist. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing this. And I'm supposed to be doing this. And today is this day. And I need to be praying this. And this is this day. And you know what? Where's the joy of your salvation? Where's the joy? Do you, he not only saved us, but he says, you know what? I want you to be a part of what I'm doing, my big plan, my eternal plan. It's going to be really cool. You want to try it? Not only that, do you know walking with Christ is the simplest thing you can ever do in your life? You don't have to do nothing. God does it through you. It's through you. You're just a living sacrifice. Here I am. Here's my life. All this traveling I've been doing when I was in Russia, when I was in England, when I was back at my... Uh, Father's memorial, when I was at my daughter's graduation, I had but one prayer. Lord, go before me. That's it. Because you know what? If the Lord's going before me, then who am I following? I'm following the Lord. It's a piece of cake. It's not, it's not, how hard and how complicated is that? And yet, I see people saying, well, I need to do this one. And you know what? Yeah, you are supposed to do that. And one of these days, I pray that God will show you in His grace and mercy how much fun it is. I remember Dr. MacArthur made a statement to me one time. He was talking about salvation. And he had a friend of his, a very dear friend that he grew up with and had not come to the Lord. And the guy's comment is this. I don't want to get saved. Why? Look at all I have to give up. And MacArthur's response was this. You've missed it. When you get saved, God 
just overnight changes all the price tags. And you said, what? What you used to think was valuable, what you used to think was important, God says is really of no value, but now this is. I like that. I like that. Do you know if you're saved this day, you are a broker for God dealing with the eternal destination of souls. Do you know that? Jesus said, I'm here about my father's work. I like that. That's amazing. That's amazing. I see people say, well, I need to be in politics. I need to be in this. I need to be in that. I need to be in that. Do you understand the privilege? That's what Paul is getting at to the Corinthians. Will you please set aside the stuff of this world that has influenced you, that makes you think that this is important? Do you know that if you only lead one person to the Lord Jesus Christ and you grow them up so that they become an imitator of the Lord Jesus Christ, do you understand what you just did? You only dealt with a soul for eternity. Not their retirement plan. Too many have little boxes of rules. And they like to show them to everybody. If they come into your life, I would ask that you would please prayerfully, in the power of God, walk with them in such a way that they're allowed to have their freedom, to operate in the freedom of God. Why? Wisdom of our freedom. Edification. Others. Liberty over legalism. This book... 1 Corinthians sets the table for 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is ministry, serving the Lord. 1 Corinthians is yours and mine personal holiness. If you're not ministering this day, that book is to you. It's that simple. If you're not ministering today, this is the perfect book for you. All right? Your holiness. Why? I fashion you and what I need you for so that you do my work in my power so it only has eternal effect. I like that. I love that. I mean, that just psychs me out. I'm only dealing with the eternals. Cool. But if your personal holiness is wrong, you're not... You may be busy. I know a lot of busy Christians. But I don't know very many at all who are having eternal impacts. Literally changing souls by their existence. Because like Paul said, be a follower of me. Be an imitator of me. Why? As I am of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word and the amazing things that you've done.
Lord, I just praise you for, for this book. I praise you for your spirit working in your people. And Lord, I praise you for drawing us together. Lord, let us bow our knees to your holiness. Let us bow our knees to your desires, to your wills. But Lord, I, my biggest concern this day is the legalist. Father, if there are legalists here this day, hearing this, Father, use another saints to set them free. They may know that they are free in you. Free in you. And that, Father, they have freedom over sin. They have freedom over themselves. And, and, and let them just fall more in love with you. And may that love that you pour in your children's heart overflow in such a way that all will know they are children of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise you and we thank you for this time. In Christ's name.